We're back. Just like I said, we'd be back. This is For the Glory KC, where we bring a mix of in-depth Kansas City soccer knowledge and the more casual perspective. I'm Chad Smith, editor at TheBlueTestament.com. I'm going to take you under that in-depth side of KC soccer. And I'm joined, as always, by my wife, the wizard, Sheena Smith. Hey, Sheena. Hey, Chad. Am I the wizard because of the Kansas City Wizards? Ooh, that would have been good. Name. That would have been good. A nice call. Uh, <laughs> it's actually just another Chris Jericho nickname. I'm going to see if I can do them all. No, I'm just kidding. I just, I didn't have one written down, so I wrote that in at the last second. Um, anyways, anyways, on today's show, we're going to talk about a center back signing and a center back injury for Sporting Kansas City. A little bit of an explainer on how players join after the transfer windows are closed. It can be a little confusing if you're a casual fan. Uh, a little bit uh, talk about the how the season might go maybe some predictions a little bit and eh, maybe not we'll see how it goes and then let's talk jersey that kit comes out very soon so we gotta give our thoughts and of course the digital crawl but before we do that i think a big monumentous thing happened in uh the other football last night sheena if i'm not mistaken we're recording on a monday by the way where things are a little off we're heading to disneyland everybody us and Woo-hoo! patrick mahomes <laughs> I think he already went. He went today. He's there and gone and back already? My gosh, that man. Yeah, yeah I saw was... pictures of him at Disneyland with his fam. Wow, that's quick. So the Chiefs, they won the Super Bowl. Sheena? Yes. First of all, KC, baby. How about them Chiefs? I believe that's the currents thing. Uh, don't well, try to steal it, that from them. <laughs> it applies to all sports in Kansas City. But I'm pumped up about the Chiefs win last night. I must say I've had an extra pep to my step today. I thought the game was great, not because of who won, but that was like icing on the cake. But overall, I thought it was a competitive game and good football was played um, from both teams. I thought they matched up really well. And I think there was even like a statistic, like side by side of some of their stats. Remember that? And yeah, that was before the game, I believe, right? About how they had the same number of points coming in, the same record, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought they matched up really well. And it wasn't a snooze like some of the previous Super Bowls. I'm thinking of that one Rams game where oh, gosh, I don't even they know scored the like score. three points and Tom Brady got yeah. his like, sixth Super Bowl that time. Yeah. yeah. So happy not to see Tom Brady. Uh, But there was a few little notes I wanted to make about the game. First of all, Chad, important question. What was your favorite commercial? Oh, gosh. Um, I'm going to go with the Will Ferrell one for trucks, I guess. I don't know what he was advertising, (laughs) but I just like Will Ferrell. GM, maybe? Yeah, I I figured that would be your favorite one. It was also mine as well. And I thought, yeah, I think it's GM as well. But again, I'm not positive either. I know it's for electric vehicles. So marketing people wasting their money on things. But it's like, I don't even remember what they were advertising. I just remember Will Ferrell was kind of funny. And he had a buddy that was a zombie. Yeah. Well, they were saying on Good Morning America, like they had a marketing uh, person on there. And they were saying that even if you get celebrities, like if people can't remember the ad or like what the ad was for, then it's not really effective. So they gave the example. Do you remember what Snoop Dogg was promoting? Uber something? Yeah, I think it was Uber Eats. I was thinking Verizon, but that was Bradley Cooper. That was There was when... a lot of celebrities in a lot of commercials. Like the one yeah. with Serena Williams where she was, I think she was in more than one too, but... 
advertising some alcohol. I don't remember what, what kind of alcohol, but it was just like, she was giving this passionate speech. And then I was like, what is this for? And then there was just booze at the end. Stupid yeah. marketing. I, and so Jesus, I, like- I don't know if you heard about Jesus. Nobody's ever heard of him. So they had to spend millions of dollars to tell us about Jesus. I read that the Chick-fil-A owner was behind that. I do love Chick-fil-A. Yeah, I don't know what truth there is to that. But I also liked the Amazon dog commercial, the one where the dog was like, every time they left, like making a mess of the house, and then they order on Amazon a crate. And you think that, oh, he's either getting like put up for adoption, or he's getting crated during the day. And then there's that sweet little puppy that comes in. And that just warms my liked heart. It. Your, your Instagram account is all just people adopt these dogs. <laughs> I know. And since we're talking about animals, plug for Casey Pet Project, the defender Derek Nandi. I don't know if I'm saying his last name right, since I'm a hardcore fan, um, that he is paying for the adoption fees of all animals. I don't know how long that adoption thing is running for. But if you are looking for a dog, you can get the adoption fees paid by him. So I think that's awesome that he does it. He does it every time the Chiefs win. And so pretty cool. That is awesome. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you saw me during that Farm Fresh dog commercial where the dog and the lady are growing old together. Oh, where you were crying during the commercial? <laughs> oh, yeah, you I, did I see. saw it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was crying. <laughs> uh, it was touching. You... I mean, we've all had yeah. animals that have, you know, grown up and gotten old and, you know, it didn't, at least the dog didn't pass away in the commercial. That would have been I extra know. sad. Oh, my but it gosh. was pretty old. Went from I her know. being a little kid. Uh, my, my Super Bowl thoughts, though, because I think that's what you're about to ask me. Well, I thought I very good game and it just kind of marred by the last two minutes, like the refs interjecting themselves when the game was almost over. I think we kind of got robbed of a good ending, taking knees and stuff like that. But I'd like to see, would, would, would the Chiefs go on to score right there? Would the Eagles come back and score? Would we go to overtime? I don't care about the Chiefs or the Eagles, so it doesn't matter to me which team won. I just wanted it to be a good game. And so that kind of, you know, there's holding on every play. But yeah, he held him. Whatever. What did you think of Rihanna and the Super Bowl halftime? Pretty sure we spent the entire halftime trying to figure out if she was pregnant. <laughs> uh, yeah, we did. And I wish they would have just said it ahead of time because I felt super guilty for being like, is she pregnant or is she still losing baby weight? And I hated that. But I thought the songs were good. I forgot how many hits she had. Also, I was just I scared for her uh, heights that sh- her and her oh. dancers were on. Like, oh my, I just had anxiety. Those things were like shaking around a little bit. And she <laughs> yes. was like, very subtle dance moves. And I was like, yeah, I'd be just yeah. laying on the thing, like <laughs> gripping it, like trying not to die and fall. So yeah, just a couple. I have two more thoughts on the game. I don't watch much football anymore. And yesterday was a reminder why because it's so freaking long. I like getting in, watching the game, and having the rest of my day to do whatever I want, which is why I love soccer. And the last thing I wanted to just touch on is that this is our first Super Bowl living in Kansas City. And I think what even gets me to watch any of the Chiefs game is it's like a citywide event. And I love that everyone wears Chiefs apparel and the city basically shut down for the Super Bowl. And I think we may not agree on a lot of things, you know, in this world, but we all can agree that Kansas City has the best sports teams. And I was texting with my friend who's also new to Kansas City, and we were saying like, Kansas City is a vibe and it's a vibe unlike anything we've ever experienced before. And I've just been so glad that I've been able to immerse myself in the Kansas City vibe. It's been 
pretty cool. And it makes me a little sad we haven't lived here longer. But anyways, now that football season is over with, let's get hyped up for the real football season that's about to begin with Sporting Kansas City. Well, I guess, Chad, before we get started, can we still get hyped up considering all the news that's come out since the last podcast? Oh, boy. Well, that's a good transition. Let's talk about it. So good news, bad news. Uh, good news. Sporting Kansas City finally signed a center back, Chris Rindoff, second round draft pick. Uh, the bad news is they announced that and then a few hours later announced that Courtney Ford, who I think I have been projecting as the starting right center back, uh, it ruptured his Achilles and he is out for the season. He did it in the last preseason game against Real Salt Lake. I, I would like to know what happened. It's probably a non-contact thing. It's a pretty common type injury to have non-contact. But deep down, don't you just think probably RSL like in, hurt him and, and we can blame them and be mad at them because we don't like them? I mean, I guess so. I, it probably I guess, wasn't them, but you know, I'd like yeah. to, I gotta, I gotta put my anger somewhere, Sheena. Well, I'm glad you're putting it on RSL and not me because some people out there in the internet have blamed me for Courtney Ford's injury. Yeah. You but, learned who he was. Don't, don't go learn who Robert Molitor <laughs> is. We need him. Which, you know, I'm just glad a few people aren't skipping past my talking. So what's up to the two or three of you that called me out? <laughs> I like it. I think it's it's good. I want more interaction from you, Twitter and Instagram and whatever followers. So we appreciate that. <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit more about this. So the center back okay. situation, the team had three, then it seemed like for a moment they had four and then they were right back down to three. So they absolutely still need to sign a center back. And if you look at the roster, it's down to just Chris Rindov, the new signing, Andre Ufantas, who's, you know, going to definitely be a starter and then Robert Volater. So Volater, I'm not I'm I was kind of high on him last year. You don't go spend, you know, one and a half, two million, whatever it was to get him uh, and not think that he is the future. But he's still pretty young. He's a young guy. And now suddenly you have two guys that are left footed starting at center back. Do you remember the last time we had two left footed starting center back, Sheena? Aiko Para and Matt Beasler. I don't know. So uh, Matt Beasler is left-footed. It was not Opara, though. It was actually Andre Fontes. So they played together. Oh, yeah. But because Beasler was the guy, you know, he's the man, the captain forever. Uh, when Fontes came in, he played on the right-hand side. And people were like, oh, this Fontes guy isn't very good. And I remember having conversations with people up in the press box talking about how it's he's doing the things that would work great on the left-hand side, but now suddenly either Fontes or Valder are going to have to play on the right. Now, of course, right-footed center backs play on the left all the time, so it shouldn't be the end of the world, but I'll be interested to see who's on which side. The way they released the formation for that last preseason game, because I don't know if you remember, uh, coincidentally, Fontes and Volater started together, and it looked like Fontes was the guy on the right, and I'll be interested to see how that plays out, because the big part of Kansas City's attack builds out of the left, kind of from Fontes up into the midfield to whoever's playing defensive midfielder and Tommy and Shallowy, and then whoever is the left back kind of creating those diamonds and triangles on the left-hand side of the field. And I I don't know, like, do, do, can you build out of the back? I, I think Volater is gonna, has that skill set too. He looks like a quite the good passer, but who's your athletic guy who's crushing down the counters? Because it's sure not Fontes. No offense, Andreo, but you know. Not the fastest guy. No, he's not. I kind of broke this up into 
each player. So I wanted to start by talking about Chris Rendov. Is that how you say his last name? I think Rendov, but I'm not 100% Rindov? certain. I haven't okay. heard anybody say it yet. So no broadcast okay. yet. Okay. So I feel bad for him because his announcement comes at a very uncertain time for the center back position. Although we didn't know that when they announced that signing. But right. They I announced mean, him first, right? And then, then yeah. forward later. Yeah, but it was like when he got announced, I know I was just like, wah, wah, like I'm excited for him, but he wasn't like the star studded name or, you know, the star power I was hoping we were going to get. And I think that when Courtney Ford's injury came up, like any excitement fans had about Chris Rendov, I think are skewed now because of the Courtney Ford injury. And I, Maybe I'm alone in my thinking on this, but and yeah, not and, that. Oh, go, oh, go ahead. ahead. Oh no, you finish your thoughts. Sorry. Yeah, and not that he can't be great or do amazing things for the team because he really probably can if he's a second round draft. But he needs to be developed and he needs to get an understanding for the system. And I think it's exciting for him. And I don't doubt that. Like we're all excited for his future, but unfortunately, I think we have to think about the present. And he can't possibly be the solution for right now. Yeah, I think it's all about opportunities because I think, again, I'm underwhelmed by Rindov as well, but it's just based on the reputation of other college players. It's not that we, we don't know anything about this guy. He might be fantastic. I remember when they drafted him in the second round, some comments showed up on the Blue Testament's Facebook page about, oh, you got yourself a really good one. And I was like, these people are related to Chris Rindov. Who are these people? I was like looking through their profile <laughs> and, and who knows what the case was, but I didn't find any relation, but I didn't look that deep to be fair. And you never know. The expectations for him are low, but now as of this moment, he's the third center back on the team. Maybe Nemanja Radoya, who's going to play defensive midfielder, is third in dropping back and playing. Maybe he's a starter now at center back. Who knows? I hope not. But you never know how things are going to play out. There is a guy on the Philadelphia Union who have been one of the better teams in the league for the last few years, Jack Elliott. He was a fourth round draft pick and he is regularly starting in MLS. Now he's kind of a, a bit of a freak. He's really tall, like oddly tall, which you don't see a ton in soccer, but he plays pretty well. He makes mistakes. Of course, he made more mistakes when he was young and there's always the young guys tend to make more mistakes, right? They've just never been in this situation before. If you're a college player, you've never played the grind of an MLS season. The college season is much shorter. But for Rendoff, I just hope that if he does have to play, that he surprises us and he's better than we expect. And I wish him nothing but the best. But like you said, it's underwhelming. Wah, wah. Yeah, same. I, I want him to be successful, just like I want everybody on the team to be successful. And now talking about Courtney Ford, I think his injury is devastating, like not only for sporting, but for him. He's overcame so many injuries and obstacles throughout his career, as I've learned in the last few weeks. And this is another injury to, to add to his list, which is unfortunate. But I feel like what I learned about him is he's pretty resilient based off of, you know, when I did my research on him and he may be down for the count this season, but I feel confident he'll be back next year, assuming he's healthy enough. And I think he'll be hungry for the game and that could be really exciting to watch. And I just wish him a speedy recovery. Yeah. And speaking of Courtney Ford, so I think it's always interesting to note where these guys stand in terms of how long are they signed with the team? Did we just lose one of his two years? You know, what's the situation with Ford there? So his guarantee on his contract ends at the end of this year and he has an option for 2024. So he's pretty inexpensive. And obviously they thought he was starting caliber if they, well, I mean, between 
the three guys they had, probably two of those were starters, and you would think Ford was one of the two. So I think they'll bring him back, assuming that his recovery goes well. It'd be kind of a bummer to see him get his option declined and never really get his chance between this injury and then the suspension kind of derailed 2022. Yeah, I don't know if you feel this way, but the Courtney Ford injury has kind of deflated my excitement about the season a little bit. I feel like you're like more optimistic which like I love about you, but are you, do you have a more realistic perspective right now about the center back position? You know, let's table that for a second. I want to talk a few more things before we talk about the expectations for the season. So uh, a few other center back notes we're throwing out there for y'all is remember Pharaoh, who we'd been talking about for a while. Maybe he's going to come. Oh, wait, no, he's not coming. He signed with a team in Croatia. Not going to try to pronounce it. I'm going to do it. Hadjuk split. I'm sure I (laughs) nailed that. Uh, They're in second second place in the Croatian league right now. So he's headed over there. He is not, not coming to Sporting Kansas City. Now, I was doing a little thing in the comments on the Blue Testament the other day. We were talking about, you know, kind of being bummed out about the whole Courtney Ford situation. And I was like looking back at the rumors and how they've gotten most of the rumors right this year. Pretty much everybody that was rumored has been signed except for every single center back rumor. So it makes me think that they are trying to get center backs over the line and it just keeps falling apart because a lot of people have been saying, oh, why didn't they plan for this? Why weren't they ready? There is no way. Peter Vermees was going into this season with three center backs and that was his plan or to take a flyer on a second round draft pick. And that was his plan. I think it's just, sometimes it doesn't work out. You don't get the people you want to sign. Yeah. I, that definitely could be the situation that we've ran into for this season. I, the other thing I wanted to talk about is that, as you know, Prior to me learning about Courtney Ford, I had concerns about him being the starter and I was finally accepting of it. And now that he's injured, like my original fears are now reality. And since you're more knowledgeable about like Sporting Kansas City, can you reassure me that Fontes or Valadere or Rindov or Benjamin Sweat can step up? Because he said he could do the center back position and that interview with Robert. So like, is he actually a viable option since we're thin in the spot? I cannot reassure you of any of these things. Okay. <laughs> if Ben Sweat has to play center back, things have gone very wrong. No offense, Ben. I thought you played really well at left back at the end of the year. Um, but I don't want to see him at center back. He's not the best defender. And you can kind of get away with it with your fullbacks in this system because They're not asked to defend 100% of the time. I think that Fontes is absolutely an MLS quality starter. He did drop off a little last year, but the year before that, I remember he was in the, he got MVP votes in the whole freaking league, MVP votes. Like, so he was up for defensive player of the year too. He obviously took a step back last year, but the entire team did. So I'm not sure how much of that was him and how much of that was the terrible mess that was going on in front of him. And then I think that Volader. He was a prospect and sometimes prospects get forced into action and then they are stars. So fingers crossed, they still need to add some depth and ideally somebody that can compete for the starting job because remember that preseason game, uh, Volader had a couple turnovers against Louisville City. Graham Zussi assisted him on one of those turnovers and he, he looked kind of poor. But again, it was it's early. It's preseason. It doesn't mean a lot. But yeah, it makes me nervous for sure. You know what I want to talk about, Shane, or did you want to add something? 
No, we can move on. All right. So what I want to talk about, though, is this whole replacement idea, right? We They need to sign somebody. I can almost keep saying we, like I'm a part owner. I can't stop myself. But we are invested in this team, right? But not uh, monetarily, just, well, sort of, you know, in all of our time and dedication. But the transfer window, I want to explain this a little bit because I think it confuses people. Um, other American sports are very different, right? You typically trade within inside your league. You tend to you know, make acquisitions in that manner, player for player sort of thing. And that can absolutely still be done in MLS. And that can be done for quite a while. There's two transfer windows. Uh, the first one stays open in MLS until April 24th. So there's a long time to make these moves. And then another window will open up in the summer. That's a FIFA thing. Now, a lot of people have been kind of concerned is about buying players from overseas because there's this big thing in most of the European countries where the transfer window ends on January 31st, meaning those teams cannot sign new players. However, they can still sell their players. So if they have a player that's maybe gone to the bench or a coach, he's out of favor with a coach or whatever the case may be, recovered from injury, sporting seems to go for those guys a lot. Uh, they could absolutely send them out the door still to Sporting KC. The only kind of issue with the outgoing transfer thing is that oftentimes teams will be looking to replace those players with somebody else and then they wouldn't be able to do that. They wouldn't be able to go out and sign another player because their window to do so has closed. So I don't know, what what, you, what are you familiar with in terms of buying players versus trading for players, Sheena? Basically what you just said is all I know about it. <laughs> because you learned it just now? <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I think one of the interesting, I feel like I say interesting a lot, but everything is interesting to somebody who doesn't know a lot about the sport. But one of the things that I find interesting is that I'm used to because I watched football for so many years. And so soccer is just so completely different because there are leagues across the country, across the world, rather. And you don't really have that in American football. Like, is there any NFL type teams in other countries? I mean, there's probably football in some other ways that I'm not familiar with, but I think mostly, I guess Canada, obviously, yeah, there's the have. Canadian Football League, the Arena yeah. Football League, there's the USFL and the XFL this year, both coming yeah. back. I don't know if you saw the ads for the USFL. Football's I not over, Sheena. You and can watch bad the football. the Women's Flag Football League, that's pretty cool. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if, if you know, uh, the Kansas City Current, their um, press, oh, I don't even know her title, probably director of PR, something of that nature, uh, Danny Wilniak, she used to play in a professional women's football league and won their Super Bowl, whatever it's called. I do know that because you told me that when we were watching the Super Bowl. Oh, I thought I was just saying that to <laughs> the other people at the party. I didn't know you were listening. <laughs> yes. My uh, bad. The party of like, there was five of, just of us. Just of our few friends came over. Yeah, uh, yeah. Our friend and his daughter. Let's not try to make it sound That's like true. we well, are cool. Well, as a non-Chiefs fan, I was just like, I don't need to surround myself with a bunch of Chiefs fans right now. <laughs> it's bad enough oh, having, boy. having you root for them. All right. Anyways, I digress. But, I'm going to lose yeah. all of our listeners talking bad about the Chiefs. Good. Congratulations. I love Patrick Mahomes. That guy's awesome. And it's hard not to like him. <laughs> so football. And I like him. But <laughs> Soccer yeah, football. I think it's just that I find the whole thing fascinating because it's this other like dimension to soccer that I just have no idea about because I'm new to the sport. I mean, newish. Yeah. I mean, obviously you're not new. You've been watching all these seasons, but just 
don't necessarily get to see how these people come in now outside of just transferring for players, which is where you pay a team money to go get their player. You can also loan in players. That's a bit more of a short term move. Usually when you get a little desperate, you might do a loan. You're just trying to fill out your roster. You just need healthy bodies. Maybe you get a more talented player that's sitting on the bench elsewhere because they're just not getting minutes and that team wants to get them time to play. Sporting doesn't do a lot of that. They did do a loan last year. Oh, now I can't remember the guy's name. Voinovich, I want to say the guy that was came in to be center forward and then he promptly gets into a game and then gets hurt and then we don't really see him anymore. So that was a little bit of a desperation move. I think that Sporting Kansas City are probably being cautious. They're taking their time. They want to get the right person. But at some point, they just got to sign somebody. They're going to need some bodies. So we'll see. Uh, <laughs> Nicholas Isamamarin, not coming back. He signed elsewhere. Kaveira, not coming back. He signed elsewhere. But that's how transfers are working. The other thing I was thinking about is in a previous podcast, you said that if somebody joins the team like at this point, they probably aren't going to start because they're not going to be ready. So even if tomorrow an announcement was made, like we're probably going into the season with, I'm guessing, Fontes and Valadere as the starters. Yeah, I would say that they're probably the starters. You never know. Uh, Tim Leibold started in the preseason game the other day, the last preseason game against Real Salt Lake. He only played 30 minutes, but I think there's something to that. You go spend all that money on a left back and you, you know, he's probably projected to be the starter, but he might not be ready to go, might not be completely match fit by day one. The later they get in, the less time they have to get familiar with the system. But you never know. If you go out and get a good enough player, remember a few years ago, they got Winston Reed on loan. He's a center back from West Ham United, or at the time he was with West Ham. And he got in and played pretty darn good when he was given the chance to, when he was staying healthy. Somebody like that might be more plug and play than somebody that's more of a project or might need to learn the system. Supporting Kansas City play a complicated system. So because of that, that is going to limit your ability to just step in straight off the street and play. But last year, Eric Tommy and Willie Agata got on the field pretty quick, but kind of because they needed to at the same time. Is there a previous player not like on a team right now that could just step in and even temporarily, like, does Aikopara want to come out of retirement? I think he's probably not coming out of retirement because okay. of whatever medical issues he was dealing with. Uh, oh, Matt Beasler, yeah. still a Kansas City man. Matt, yeah. Let's get Matty B back out there. <laughs> no, I don't, honestly, I don't think that's a good idea. he's in great shape. I see his Instagram workouts all the time. So he's probably like in shape to just come back on. Yes, I none of those things are going to happen. But yeah, you never okay. know what the ultimate signing will end up being. But Something's got to happen. I think this is a good transition because you started to ask me before and I said, hey, let's table that for a second. Does this affect Kansas City's ability to win the whole dang thing? I got to tell you, I was feeling pretty confident. The offense was looking so good and in the midfield, pretty darn good. And then the defense, uh, they couldn't be as bad as they were. They they played a lot better down the stretch when they played. You know, they had all their guys kind of clicking at that point. And they're getting back Polito and Kinda, so it should be even more clicking. But this absolutely has to lower their ceiling, right? Like, they could still win the whole thing if Fontas and Volater stay perfectly healthy or whoever they sign stays perfectly healthy and plays really well but it's a long season it's unlikely that they can play every single minute of every single game though center backs do tend to rotate out less than other positions so maybe but that would take an incredible amount of luck and man is this team unlucky i feel like there's not a lot of luck on our side right now but i don't know i'm i don't know if i think they can win it all but then again anyone can win now do i feel confident like that 
they're going to win it all. I, I think it depends. Like the positive is that we're stacked on offense. So I feel great about us being able to score goals. But then on the flip side of that, the defenses seem sketch and who knows, maybe they'll have great chemistry and all our concerns will be a thing of the past. But I feel like right now where it stands, we are in a position where we can score a lot of goals, but it's going to probably come at the expense of giving up a lot of goals in the process. So I think it just depends on how many goals whoever we're playing scores compared to us. Yeah. And I think that that seems to be the consensus all around. The offense looks really good, but most people seem to think that the down the stretch run that Sporting Kansas City had, where admittedly they weren't playing a ton of great teams either, they can't keep scoring at that rate. It's very hard to keep scoring at that rate. But MLS has worse defenses than offense. There's quite a few goals out there available to be had. I I'm not sure. I, I still think it could all work out. Now, think about the playoffs. We talked about this the other day. Still haven't announced what the playoff format's going to be. But if it goes to 18 teams, which is stupid, that favors somebody like Sporting Kansas City. If they can just get by early in the season with who they have and go make another good summer signing, this time a center back, and kind of shore things up, see where the problems are, see which of the guys is playing the best and who needs to be pushed to the bench and replaced. And they come in and have an impact like last year with Tommy and Agata gosh, you never know. You get in the playoffs and that's all that matters. And I think this team is surely going to be better than last year's team. Even if things keep going wrong, I can't imagine. Well, oh, gosh, I just about to jinx the team. I'm just going to stop. But they're they're going to be fine. I think they'll be okay. And I think they could still be really, really good if things go right. But statistically, you know, some stuff's going to go wrong and they're probably going to slide down the table a little bit. But anyways, last year, seven teams still made the playoffs. So whether it's seven or nine from the Western Conference, it's too many. And that gives a chance to a team to slide in, make moves late, like Seattle Sounders are kind of known to do, always make that big summer signing and then kind of explode into the playoffs. Sporting were on the verge of exploding into the playoffs last year. They just came up slightly short. If the nine-team playoff thing had been um, started last season, would Sporting have made the playoffs at that point? No, they would have still missed the playoffs by three points. (laughs) But I think also they had nothing to play for down the stretch, right? Even even with that, they won like seven of their last ten, something like that. Yeah, but. They would have, it'd have been a totally different situation on decision day against Dallas. They probably play that game differently. Maybe different guys are out there. Maybe you don't make subs that you made. You know, it's all different when you need to win to go on versus it 100% didn't matter anymore versus the week before beating Seattle. Remember, we were at that game. Yeah. I, I rarely take you as a fan. I'm a terrible husband. I'm always sitting in the press box. But um, they did beat Seattle and that eliminated the Sounders. So that was satisfying. Oh, felt so good. Even though it didn't matter for Kansas City, they were already out of it. But yeah, long story short, no, they wouldn't have got in last year either with this current format based on the way that the standings ended. Okay. I feel like the other thing um, about sporting Kansas City, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm probably wrong on what I'm about to say. <laughs> But it feels like we usually start kind of hot at the beginning of the season, then we lull in the summertime. And some seasons it's been okay because we get hot again, you know, with enough time to make the playoffs. And then there's seasons like last year where we got hot too late and like we were kind of out of luck. So am I somewhat right on like my overall summary of how every season with sporting is? Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's a broad, broad strokes there when you say every season, but typically, yes, they're hot out of the gate. I feel like they're often near or at the top of the standings early on, and then 
um, what is it? The lack of subs, the lack of rotation, the accumulation of injuries, the summer heat, the humidity, whatever, the grind on these guys, they get worn down and they kind of fall apart. I remember a few years ago, they just needed like one win in their last like five games to get a home game and they just couldn't get it done because they just kept putting the same line out. It. I don't remember what year that was right off the top of my head, but I just remember being so annoyed because Burmese kept saying in the post games, he's like, well, I'm putting out the best team that has the best opportunity to win. And I'm like, but you lost anyways and you lost last week and you lost the week before that maybe just go with the backups for one game let the starters get their health back and not be fatigued and then yes you don't want to give up any game but you gave up all the games accidentally by trying to win them all sometimes there's a strategy to not grinding your guys into dust and that is probably my number one critique of Vermees is that he he kind of grinds guys into dust and look at all the injuries there's something to it now a lot of these seem to be freak injuries like this is a this Achilles situation or Kinda and Polito the year before. Polito's injury actually goes back to the Mexican national team. He got hurt there, and then he played through it and had a surgery, and then had to have another surgery. So there's some freak in there, but then there's also some like fatigue and wear down uh, muscle injuries. You're always seeing a lot of muscle injuries as the season wears on. All okay. right, you know, let's switch topics here. So, well, uh, kind of tangentially related. I know you're a big MLSsoccer.com gal over there reading the articles <laughs> all the time. Yeah, I see you laughing. Oh yeah. Because that's- did you read uh, our one? Daughter, no, but our daughter wants to write for them. <laughs> no, no, you're mistaken. So uh, f- quick aside, she, <laughs> our daughter, she is always saying, why can't I sit in the press box with you? And I'm like, well, you're not a member of the media. You have to be a member of the media to be in the press box. And she's like, I'm a member of the media. I'm like, what website do you write for? And she said, soccer.com. And I was like, uh, soccer.com is like a merchandise site. And she goes, oh, no, no, no. You got to scroll all the way to the bottom of the page, click on the dot, dot, dot and for more. And then my articles are in there. And I'm like, what are you writing about? It's so silly. But, you know, I thought it was very clever and creative. She just like, well, also concerning that she lied so quickly on the spot to I me know. to try to get into the press box. This is going to be a concern when she's a teenager, but it was kind of cute when she was, you know, nine or 10 or whenever it was that she made that lie up. Okay. Then what website did you say? Because I immediately thought of soccer.com, which uh, is MLS soccer.com. Oh, MLS. Okay. The, I just, I missed the, the MLS website. part. Okay. I missed the MLS part. No, not seeing any articles over there. Okay. Well, let me tell you about one. So uh, Matt Doyle, he's there. He used to call himself the armchair analyst or armchair yeah armchair analyst and he he kind of breaks down every team and i'll give him credit because i do not know about all 29 mls teams in great depth because it's impossible but i'd argue maybe he doesn't either but he definitely knows more about the other 28 teams than i do but i see errors like in the way he breaks down sporting kc like he released a, a a depth chart probably like a week and a half ago something like that and the starters were pretty probably pretty close like i think he had the right idea on the starters within a guy to but then the bench was just all over the place like roger espinoza not the backup at any of the more advanced midfielder spots just just playing defensive midfielder and like cam duke is uh, behind jake davis which maybe you never know but not not historically not in recent seasons so little stuff like that but he he makes a prediction and sometimes i think he's just doing hot takes are you familiar with the hot takes you know what a hot take is yes i do all right so his hot take earlier in the offseason was hey Sporting Kansas City should 
cut Alan Polito, should buy out his contract and move on from him. And now that Polito is, you know, back in training, officially, actually, I think this this week he's back in training. Now he's saying Sporting Kansas City should buy out Gotti Kinda. He's not back from injury, which is true. He hasn't fully returned from injury yet. What do you think about the proposition of buying out the contract and releasing Gotti Kinda? Yeah, so I actually commented on this on the Blue Testament website. I got in there one day and I made a couple comments and this was one of the comments that I had. And I'm not against uh, Gotti Kinda's contract being brought bought out, depending on what his recovery time looks like. So I think there's some depth, depth to his position position. I hope there's not any deaths in the midfield. <laughs> no, my gosh. my gosh, I can't talk. Okay. There's some depth to his position without him. So realistically, when he's better, is he going to come out as the starter? Because it, it very well could be he isn't going to be the starter, right? I think it's a decent probability that he is not the starter. Um, Eric Tommy and Remy Voltaire would be my choices to start in those spots. And he plays the same position as those guys. Yeah. So... I what I was commenting on the Blue Testament comment section is like, at what point does his injury hurt his chances of returning to the field, like taking too much time, even though he's recovering and needs to because it's so stacked, like it's going to be hard for him to get on the field. And is he going to still be playing at the same caliber that he was two seasons ago? And I don't think that would be the case right off the bat. So I'm not against this just because we need a center back. And so maybe buying out his contract opens up more money. I don't know. I just feel like I'm saying things. I don't know if I'm actually speaking truths. Uh, that would be right. If they did buy out his contract, he makes more money than Uri Rosell, who everybody's kind of presumed would be the buyout since he's already been waived. But I, I just don't see it. It doesn't make sense to me because if you were going to buy out Gadi Kinda, you would have bought him out last year. He already missed all of last season. If you'd have bought him out last year, which granted, maybe they didn't know how bad the injury was going to be. Remember early on in the preseason, Burmese was like, oh, it's minor and he'll be back soon. And then by like the start of the season or a month later, he was out for the year. So Maybe they didn't know, but unless he's just never going to be better or they're not confident he's ever going to be better, I just don't see them doing it. And sporting, they're they're kind of smart with their money. I think the the owners are more willing to spend than Vermees is willing to waste it at times. And I don't think he likes to just waste their money on moves because there's sometimes there's guys that he just thinks aren't worth what they're asking for in salary and he doesn't bring them in or he said kind of something to that effect before. But I want to give a little background on this whole like buying out of a player so we talked about it a little earlier in the offseason when Uri Rosell was waived. And I assumed, although it doesn't officially say it in the release, that Uri Rosell was the buyout. He was making $475,000. If they buy out his contract, then that money comes off the books. They still paid him, right? But it's not on their salary budget. So that frees up money to go sign another player or to allocate towards guys that are already on the team that you've got to you know, move funds around, however that, how that's playing out. Then when he threw out the Kinda, when Doyle threw out the Kinda idea, I was like, well, they, they can't even do it. They've already bought out Roselle. Then I reached out to the team and got confirmation they have, in fact, not bought out Roselle yet. So how it works is they waived him. He has cleared waivers. So Sporting is responsible for the whole $475,000 of Uri Roselle's salary. And then what'll happen is they just have to make a buyout designation by the 24th of this month of February. That's the roster compliance deadline day. So if they make that official by the 24th, they would buy out Roselle. His money wouldn't count against the cap. 
However, the only reason to wait and not do it is if you were going to potentially buy somebody else out. Like if there is another injury or Kinda was the guy for some reason, whatever the case may be, because he'd be more expensive and then he would therefore save them more money on the, I keep calling it a salary cap. It's a salary budget. It's complicated. It's already too messy. I think Roselle will ultimately be bought out. I don't think they're going to buy out Kenda. I think he's not going to be back and ready to go by the first game of the season. Like I think Polito's probably going to be ready to at least come off the bench. If he's needed, you know, if they're blowing him out, why why put him out there for no reason? I don't need to risk it. But Kenda's probably a little further off. But I see him as like lightning in a bottle, super sub, running at those tired defenses. Remember, Sheena, how much Gotti Kenda would just run all over the field like a maniac when he was out there? I loved that. I miss that. I do remember that. I think the one thing you're not considering, though, is at the beginning of last season, we didn't have Eric Tommy. So maybe they didn't buy him out then because we had Remy, but we didn't have Eric Tommy till like the middle of the season. So I still think it's a possibility. Okay. Well, agree to disagree. Yes, that is true. Okay. Tommy was not here, uh, but I would argue Jose Maury was here and they didn't know that he was going to be a bust and they were going to cut him and have to play Remy at defensive midfielders. So they, they still had guys playing further up the field. Probably it would have been Remy and Roger if, if you get rid of Kenda, but maybe I, I, I can't know. rule it out. I don't know. It's true. You don't know, but I don't, I, I would be okay if they said like bye to him and yeah, he did run across the field and everything, but I just don't know. <laughs> I don't know like realistically what the time frame is of him being a super sub. Like I, I don't even know really what his injury was and how yeah, it was like, a the recovery pretty- time is pretty serious injury it's actually a very similar maybe the same but slightly part different part of the leg uh, injury as felipe gutierrez jimmy madronda when he got hurt alan polito for that matter so one of them i think kinda's was weight bearing which might be worse i think it is worse if it's a weight bearing injury versus a non-weight bearing injury i don't know i'm i'm not a doctor i just remember last year when vermise was telling us what polito's injury was and i actually just looked this up the other day because it was something so complicated he he made a joke about well, he's like, hey, you know, I didn't, uh, I didn't stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night, and I'm not a doctor, so you know, I can't, I'm not able to fully analyze what this injury is. Um, but it, do you want to know what Polito's injury was? Do you want me to see if I can pronounce it? Sure, I don't get the Holiday Inn reference. Oh, the Holiday Inn. Oh, did I say it wrong? Is it a Holiday Inn Express? They say it a Holiday Inn Express. Remember, people would be, there's those commercials. Oh, we don't watch commercials because we have YouTube TV. But <laughs> those commercials where they'll be like, somebody will like have a heart attack. Is there a doctor present? And this guy will step up and do it. And he goes, oh, are you a doctor? Oh, no. But I stayed at a Holiday Inn Express last night. I don't get it. <laughs> it's just like you get such good rest that you're like, it's like you're a doctor or a lawyer or whatever the, that specific commercial needed. Anyways, we're off the deep end. Let me try to pronounce this injury that they all suffered, supposedly. It's called an osteochondrial allograft transplant and PCL reconstruction. That was Polito specifically. I don't know that we ever got an official designation on Kindas, but I've been told that they were the same or very, very similar. I mean, it sounded correct to me seeing as i've never heard of it but you pronounced it like very confidently confidently. like i knew what i was saying right so even you know what you know why because i stayed at a holiday express last night really that's (laughs) that's weird because i was definitely in the bed with you right Uh, all right anyway you're at the holiday inn you have some explaining to do (laughs) yeah yeah what what's going on oh my gosh all right (laughs) we're we're off the rails all right so Let's talk one more topic here before we move to the digital crawl. The new jersey, the new kit is coming out this week. 
uh, depending on when this podcast gets released, it's coming out on the 16th. You may be seeing it before. You probably will have listened to this before, but you may have already seen it. So I thought, hey, this is a good time to make some predictions. What do you want in a New Jersey, Sheena? And I have to tell you that it will be in the primary colors, probably. Uh, primary, you know, the sporting blue. They're due to replace the hoops jersey, the hoops 3.0 with the the stripes on them. So what I would like to see in a jersey is something different, exciting, and something that you can see the design without being right in front of it. Because I feel like that's been an issue with like the 816-913 jersey is it's a really cool idea in theory, but on the field, you can't see what it is um, unless you're right in front of somebody who's wearing it. So those are what I'm looking for. I don't know how creative it'll possibly be if they are doing the primary colors. And there's probably only so many designs that you can do. How about you, Chad? Yeah, I know you are a little bit limited. And actually, there's going to be a really good podcast on the Blue Testament. I'm predicting that it's going to be good. We do an annual one with Chad Reynolds, another Chad from Sporting KC, where he'll talk about the jersey and the process. And I recommend listening to this year's. I recommend listening to the last few years. He kind of gives you a lot of good insight. But I agree. I was not a big fan of last year's. It's State Line 3.0, but you can't see the State Line unless you're right on top of the jersey. It looks good up close, but at any distance on television where we're watching most games or from the stand where we're watching games. You can't tell. Just looks like an indigo jersey. And, uh, you know, it's called 3.0. Do you remember the other two state line jerseys? No, I was going to just ask, was there a 2.0 and a 1.0? There was. And the OG? Yeah, I don't know them. Yeah, so the 2.0, you'll probably remember. It's the one that had, like, the state, the same state line, the line between Missouri and Kansas there. But it was, like the sporting blue for part of the jersey and it was the indigo or the dark blue for the other part of the jersey they won the mls cup wearing that okay yeah i remember that one yeah and then the other one is much more subtle it's kind of like this the last year's jersey where uh, it was the same thing but it was all indigo but really close you get up and see and i think it had i'm going off the top of my head because i never owned this jersey uh, a little scs for sporting club all over one side but they were like kind of embossed and you couldn't see them from a distance and honestly i don't even know that i remembered them being there until fad bell my managing editor of at the blue testament showed me a picture of it up close that he had taken and i was like oh Actually, it looks really sharp up close, but it's like I've never seen it that close before, I guess. I don't know. So it must not have been a popular one. I moved on from it quickly. Yeah, I have no recollection of it. I'll have to show you the picture. We'll see if I can find the link and put it in the comments so everybody can know what the heck I'm talking about. All right. But what do I want? Now, before I tell you what I want, I'll tell you what I think people are predicting. So we got State Line 3.0 last year. We got Hoops 3.0 the year before. That's the one that's being replaced. They've, in the past, had an Argyle theme. Remember, there was two Argyle kits. There was the black one and the white one, white with that silver writing. Again, looked cool up close, but actually, from a distance, it was tough to tell, and you couldn't see the numbers very well in the back. That was tough. But I think a lot of people think Argyle. My fear is if they go Argyle and they've never done a sporting blue Argyle, it could be cool, but maybe it's too subtle and you can't see the Argyle because it's covering up like sponsorships and stuff and they pay good money to have their name on those jerseys. So I don't know if we'll see that. What I would like to see, though, is that for hoops to be their identity, they've had three different hoops jerseys and I'd like their primary kit to always be hoops. So just keep a hoops jersey. I really like all three of the hoops jerseys. I loved the one that's going away. I I mean, I love them all. So I would like to see 
hoops be the look like if you think about soccer around the rest of the world yes they change manchester united or arsenal or liverpools or juventus or you know whoever's barcelona's kit every year but you can see their primary kit and go oh yeah that's barcelona oh yeah that's manchester united and i think sporting should look towards that they should build an identity and be a similar if not the same look think of like atlanta united what do you associate with atlanta united i know you don't care about them uh red and black yeah, and the vertical stripes, right? They they call them the five oh. stripes, and their new kit has got the vertical stripes. Every year, they kind of replace it and go back to some variation. They change the width. They change little things here or there, but it's roughly the same thing. And I think sporting should look to build an identity around hoops. I think it's an identifiable thing. Maybe they'll go the other way. Maybe they'll make state line their identity because it is the unique part of Missouri to have that kind of weird line. Uh, Cody, I think, predicted, uh, my colleague over at the Blue Testament, that they'd have state line in every kit going forward, even if it's incredibly subtle. And I thought, that's that's clever. I like that. They they need to find something. Hoops is going to be, you can see it from a distance. And that's what I would like to see. You'd be able to tell from a distance. I'm not against the state line idea, but it needs to be like thicker lines or something like that. Something where people would be able to identify that it's a state line jersey. So identifiable from a distance. That's what we both want. Yeah. (laughs) Something cool, identifiable from a distance. All right. Well, that wraps up the main portion of the show. Let's move to the digital crawl, y'all. We got a lot of topics. I'm going to hit them quick. I already mentioned Polito is fully back in training. We had heard he was back in last week, but Vermees told... Sam McDowell, the Kansas City star, that he'd be returning in full this week. So that's great news. I was tooling around in the new Sporting Kansas City app to give a little update for some new rewards program they have. And I caught some new jersey numbers, Sheena. I don't know if you saw Nemanja Redoya. They had him listed at number six. Tim Leibold at number 14. And Danny Flores at 31. Chris Rendoff not yet in the app. Those aren't official, but that's inside the Sporting KC app. So I got to think there's something to it. Plus... Rodoya's worn six in the past. Liebold's worn six in the past. Liebold, rather. Sorry. Sorry, Tim. Uh, so I think there might be something to that. I did not see the numbers. I thought I saw actually like number, like some crazy high numbers. You know, during some preseason games, uh, Marino Sajanis was wearing like 77 and uh, Liebold was wearing like 33. But I think that was probably just like practice jerseys they had available or something. Does the number 14 or 31 mean anything? Not that I'm familiar with, no. The um, low the low numbers are the 1 through 11 are going to be your primary numbers for positions on the field. Okay. Well, cool that we maybe know their number. But your facial expression and your tone <laughs> say it wasn't cool. So let's move on. I mean, on. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why this is a story. <laughs> uh, I'm because I'm a nerd. All right. Moving on. Michelle Cooper and Alex Spanstra. These are number one draft picks for the Kansas City Current, both in the first round. They were called up to the United States U23's national team. Uh, they're heading over to Paris. Actually, they're both already in Paris. I saw it on their socials. Uh, they're playing games against France on the 17th and the 20th. I dug around. I cannot find these games on television. I'm bummed out. I want to watch some soccer. Um, but they they left on the 12th, or the camp started on the 12th, I should say. It runs through the 21st, so they are going to be missing a little bit of Kansas City current preseason, a little bit of that bonding time, but they'll have a lot of time left before the season starts. Speaking That's of... Cool. Sorry, I was going to just say I'm not surprised that Michelle Cooper got called up, considering where she was at in the draft. Yeah, and Spanster has been on the youth national team before as well. Well, I think they were both on the the team that won the the Concacaf uh, 
championship for the U20s, maybe. So this is U23s. It's the next level up. It's right below the senior national team. So hopefully they keep making the climb and they're superstars and they, you know, we've drafted some good ones here. Speaking of U.S. soccer, they are apparently building a new or looking to build a new training center and headquarters in Cary, North Carolina, which is near Raleigh, or Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a little hurt that it's not going to be added on to Compass Minerals, uh, but I guess that's like a coaching development center and not a national training center, and they haven't had a lot of camps here, and the weather here is not as good as those places, not as warm, at least, so you can't have it year-round, probably. Any thoughts on that, Sheena? Well, they could make it an indoor training facility, and that would solve the cold. Sounds expensive. Okay. I don't know that I care where they build it. It seems like, is there space in Atlanta? I've never been to Atlanta, but it feels like Atlanta's really big. Yeah, it's definitely a big city. I imagine there's always space if you want to develop real estate and, you know, turn it into a whole complex or whatever they might end up doing. Or you could put it out in, you know, country a little bit. I think Atlanta probably makes more sense from an airport standpoint because you got a lot of players yeah. playing all over the world and it's a big hub there versus yeah. rally. You're going to have to hop on a second plane probably to get to rally from most series, especially overseas where some of these girls play. Yeah, that's a valid point. Let's talk senior national team for the women a little bit more. By the time you're listening to this, pause it for a second. Go set your DVRs. The She Believes Cup is starting this week. The United States plays three times in the next week, February 16th, 19th, and the 22nd. They're playing Canada on the 16th. They are playing Japan on the 19th. And then on the 22nd, they're playing Brazil. So it's uh, it's like a friendly tournament it doesn't count for anything but it's good competition to be going up again and then really decent tests here those are all three quality women's national teams they're playing against in preparation for this summer's women's world cup in australia and new zealand look for us in the crowd we'll definitely be at one of those games yes we will i I, yeah that's exciting that they're playing against some good competition i think it'll help see kind of where they're at in terms of um, against their competition and see like for areas of improvement. Absolutely. And Sheena, I don't know if you heard Canada. That's this week's opponent on the 16th. They almost didn't play that game. They had gone on strike, the women, Canadian women, and they were forced off of their strike immediately saying it was unlawful and threatened by like suit by their own federation. Have you, did you hear about any of this controversy around Canada and their national team? I was surprised by this because I think of Canada as like a more progressive country. And so this is kind of disheartening. And the fact that didn't they also have to take a pay cut? Yeah, I think I read something about a pay cut. Uh, This is the digital crawl. So we tend to blow through stories pretty quick. Uh, You should definitely go read more about it. Christine Sinclair, the captain of the national team, put out a lot of good information. And then Desiree Scott's been kind of reposting it. She's a member of the national team too. But yeah, it seems like a, a bit of a mess. And the U.S. women kind of leading the way here with the equal pay between the men and the women. Uh, Canada obviously doesn't have that right now, but the Canadian women are much more decorated than the Canadian men, just like our women are more decorated than the U.S. men. Yeah, it'll be the whole thing's unfortunate. So hopefully, you know, the conditions will change for the Canadian women. Yeah, I got a couple more bits of news here to close out the crawl for y'all. The 2025 Gold Cup. I know that's two years into the future right now. Uh, there's a report that it may come to Kansas City. Uh, that will be the year, of course, before the 2026 World Cup that's hosted in the United States, Mexico, and Canada. And as a part of this rumor, they're saying that eight non-CONCACAF nations, so think, you know, Mexico, Canada, United States, all the Caribbean nations, Central America, etc., 
Uh, in addition to the teams that would regularly be competing in the Gold Cup, you're going to get eight teams from other parts of the world, two from Europe, two from South America, two from Asia, and two from Africa. So be a chance for Kansas City potentially to host a game or more than one, but maybe, and build up to the World Cup. And obviously, you know, wouldn't be the level of fans traveling here, but a good like little mini test to see how things are progressing. I think that'd be pretty cool. And I'm always pro getting us to see more worldly soccer. Yeah, I think it would also be a great opportunity to maybe even work out some of the kinks with preparing for the World Cup. Um, and so I hope it happens. Yeah, I hope so as well. And our last bit of news in the digital crawl, Felipe Gutierrez, the name we used to think of when we would say Felipe, not Hernandez, but Gutierrez. Uh, he has moved on from his childhood club. He's kind of been pinging around a little bit here. He was loaned to the Rapids last year. Uh, now he's headed to the United Arab Emirates, playing for all Saul. I'm sure I'm butchering that because I don't know teams if they're not based in North America. Sorry, y'all. But that's all I have for you. Shane, any closing thoughts? Yeah. Is he he joining the same league that Ronaldo's in? No, I think he's in the Saudi league. Oh, okay. And Gutierrez in the United Arab Emirates. Okay. Okay. Well, then no, I got nothing else. Maybe they play in the same league. Probably not. Most countries, most countries do not have uh, teams in like leagues don't stretch across multiple countries. Canada being in MLS was an exception back in the day when they got in and Canadian soccer wasn't very big. So there's a possibility that that's going on in the Middle East, but uh, I don't believe so here. But don't ask me to research things. I, I don't care. I'm just happy that Felipe has found a job and I'm, I'm bummed that he never got to come back and be awesome for us after his injury. Hopefully that's not the, the case with old Courtney Ford. He's going to be awesome after his injury next year. 2024, Courtney. Yeah, let's hope so. All right. Well, thank you all for joining us at For the Glory KC. We move this to the end of the show. So be sure, if you aren't already, go ahead and subscribe to the pod. Tell all your Kansas City soccer friends to listen to. Just search For the Glory KC anywhere you get your podcast. And if you enjoy the show, be sure to re- rate us. Five stars rating and review helps all your friends and other people find them. If you didn't just tell them about it directly, which you should. Uh, also, you can follow us on social media at For the Glory Kansas City, or oh, that's not right, at For the Glory KC on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or you can email us For the Glory KC at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayFor90. Sheena's still not tweeting about soccer. And here's Christian Leo with Write It Like You Mean It. Take care, everybody. Yeah.